Eurovision fans all over the world had been on the edge of their seats not only to find out the winner of the International Song Contest last Saturday night, but to see Madonna perform on stage in Tel Aviv, less than an hour away from where we're recording today's episode. One freshman Israeli was behind the efforts to bring the Queen of Pop to this end of the world in one of his many initiatives to show that Israel too has a place among the nations when it comes to culture and science. Of course, when we recorded this, nobody envisioned the political controversy that ensued on stage. Welcome to Tipping Point, the podcast on all things Israel. I'm your host, Taya Deco. My guest on today's show is Sylvan Adams, a Canadian-Israeli philanthropist and businessman who is president and CEO of Iberville Developments, one of Canada's largest real estate development companies. Mr. Adams has certainly made a name for himself here too, as the brains and much more behind last year's Giro d'Italia, one of the world's biggest cycling competitions, which began right here in Jerusalem, thanks to his work. Adams was also a partner in the Bereshit project, which saw the first ever Israeli spacecraft reach the moon, albeit imperfectly, in an event viewed across the globe. Most recently, Adams was also behind bringing Madonna to the Eurovision Song Contest, whose final was on Saturday night. I had the pleasure of sitting down with him a few days before the contest. Wow, Sylvan, it's such a pleasure having you with us. Well, it's, uh, I'm delighted to be with you, and uh, it's nice to meet you uh, over this podcast. So where am I catching you? Are you picking out Madonna's costume right now or doing something else? I'm going to tell you a personal story. I am being honored this evening uh, by Tel Aviv University with a honorary doctorate. So uh, I'm actually at home. I'm about to get ready uh, to go over there and uh, and attend the ceremony. So um, I'm not sure if uh, an honorary doctorate can write prescriptions, I guess I'll find out tomorrow. <laughs> so before we get to the weekend's events, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the other stuff you've done over here previously. But first, I understand that you actually made Aliyah. You've immigrated to Israel officially, is that correct? Yes. Uh, uh, around three years ago, uh, my wife and I decided to move here, and uh, we are loving every minute of it. What made you choose to move your home from comfortable Canada to everything that is Israel? <laughs> so, first thing, I met my wife in Israel. We've been, we just celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary, and, um, and we met on a kibbutz as two youngsters um, volunteering uh, at, uh, on a kibbutz here in Israel. So I came home a few years ago, and I, uh, I said to my wife, what do you think about moving to Israel? And she said two things. She said, number one, I always thought we would end up there, and number two, let's do it. It'll be an adventure. And she was right on both counts, and here we are. And have you gotten used to the weather yet? I love the weather here. This is that was the easiest part. Uh, Israelis uh, uh, tend to complain about the weather, um, and, I, and I can't actually understand how the weather is even a subject. They have perfect weather here, and uh, for them it's too hot, it's too cold, you know. And, and frankly, I don't really get it. For us, uh, it's, it's an absolute delight to be here. We no longer own winter boots. And, uh, <laughs> and life is perfect. We also live overlooking the Mediterranean, and I can tell you, I never had a view like that in Canada. So you were in Cape Canaveral in February, actually, to watch the launch of the Bereshit spacecraft to the moon. What was it like watching, knowing that you were part of something truly historic? So I was actually at the launch. Um, so ha we did, we did uh, split duty. Uh, some of us were in Cape Canaveral, and others were at Mission Control in, uh, in Israel. 
I, it was absolutely spectacular to watch because yeah, it was such an emotional moment to see this uh, SpaceX rocket carrying our payload and you know and and see a successful launch. And uh, I mean, it was a very emotional thing. And once we knew we were successful and we had detached from the rocket and had been placed into orbit in an absolutely textbook perfect manner, uh, I mean, we were all high fiving and hugging and kissing. And it was just a, it was a very emotional and, and beautiful thing. Wow, what a moment. And what do you think at the end of the day of the result? Does it change anything for you or does it not matter at the end of the day? No, the result matters. First of all, I will, I, I'd like to say we did land on the moon which is a very, very hard thing to do. I'm going to give you just by way of a couple of examples. You know, the moon orbits the Earth every single day. It does one big tour around the Earth. So think how fast the moon is moving. We don't realize it because we're standing on Earth and we're looking skyward. You know, the, the moon looks static, but in fact, it's moving at a great speed. So we launched our Brigitte spacecraft in order to get into the lunar orbit, you're basically shooting a bullet at a bullet. We were going something like eight or nine kilometers per second, and we had to catch the moon's orbit and make sure that we caught it at the right moment because the moon is moving so fast. If you miss it, you're off into deep space. So the, the technical and scientific and engineering prowess and on a, on a relatively shoestring budget that was undertaken here is something that we retain and that, that is really an accomplishment. That said, uh, we failed in the landing phase. So I, I just mentioned we did land on the moon because we got there and we did land on the moon. Unfortunately, we landed in a million pieces because something went wrong with the telemetry system that was supposed to tell the spacecraft when we were approaching the moon so that the, because the engines were all fired up to slow the spacecraft as it descended. And uh, unfortunately, something went wrong with the system. It, it gave an incorrect signal to the spacecraft that it, it was approaching the moon, even though it was still quite high up. And so it shut the engines off, and then the, the spacecraft descended at far too quick a speed. And by the time it was realized, and they manually overrode the automatic a telemetry system and fired up the engines again, it was too late. So they, they announced at mission control, we have managed to turn on the engines again. And then within seconds, we've lost communication with the, with the spacecraft. So we knew it had crashed, uh, unfortunately uh, on the moon. So for me, it's an unsatisfying result, frankly. And it just tells us that we have to go back and do it again and, and, and get it right this time. And so we know that just about everything went right on this mission except for the final landing phase, which was not necessarily the most complicated part. Frankly, you know, as I said, hitting a bullet with a bullet, uh, to me, is a, is a much greater engineering challenge than simply landing on the moon. The people behind Space IL, myself included, uh, we've all had a chat about it. As a matter of fact, the Prime Minister even, even mentioned it to us that, you know, we shouldn't give up and we should go back and has actually committed Israeli government money to helping us do it. You know, we've got to go back and try again and plant the Israeli flag intact on the moon and become the fourth country after the three superpowers plant uh, our flag on the moon. Unbelievable. Well, we're all very proud anyway. Let's turn to the Giro. What is your thinking when bringing these kind of events to Israel? Why sports? So, you know, sports reaches everyone and sports is a language that everybody speaks. So it's a, it's a great unifier. You know, you see it with the Olympic Games and with, 
with other international uh, competitions, world championships and the like. And the greatest thing that is promoted uh, in these sporting competitions, of course, is sportsmanship and sportsmanship between nations. Uh, I'm a big believer that sports is a unifier. So I'm, I'm promoting all kinds of uh, sports in Israel, you know, hoping to see Israeli success, which, of course, engenders national pride. You know, when, when any country wins an Olympic medal, even a country as large as the United States, there's always pride. No matter how many gold medals the U.S. wins, the whole country takes pride in each, each and every one. And in Israel, we have earned nine cumulative medals uh, since since we began uh, competing at the Olympics. I've set a challenge that I'd like to see us win nine medals per Olympic cycle uh, in the future. And I, again, this is something that um, demonstrates Israel's qualities abroad and, of course, brings out the national pride in, in our country, in our athletes, in our flag, as we compete in, in the spirit of great sportsmanship uh, in these international competitions. I'm a big believer that sports is a unifier. And why was it important for you to bring Madonna here? Firstly, to your audience, which I guess largely doesn't know about Eurovision, uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's not very well known in North America, because it's a very Eurocentric thing, and Israel, of course, uh, uh, participates as a kind of European nation, uh, even though we are sort of Middle Eastern, Asian, uh, we're, 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 on the, we're, we're on the frontier of se- several geographies, but we basically do most of the things we do, including sporting events, we, we participate in the European leagues. So I- Israel is part of the Eurovision uh, song competition, which is the largest and most important song uh, competition in the world. And um, so we won the right to do to, to host it in here in Tel Aviv because uh, the Israeli contestant last year, Netza Barzilai, she won the contest. So by by virtue of the rules, the winning uh, country gets to host the, the following year's uh, Eurovision. So my idea in bringing Madonna was to combine a couple of things and create a much larger interest in, in Eurovision and a much broader interest. So. Uh, we all know that Israel makes news, and here we are. We're gonna we're taking advantage of the fact that we have this wonderful opportunity. We have so many journalists here in Israel covering the news all the time, and for once, like like we had with the Giro, it was the same thing. It was the best Giro big start in the, in the 101 year history of the Giro. This is what the Giro people told me, because we have all these journalists who normally cover you know current events and the like. And here they have something different to cover. So we use the power of the density of journalists here in Israel to project it further abroad. So, so as I said, in, in the Giro, for example, they had never been on CNN. They were on the front page of the New York Times, and they were just overwhelmed with the coverage that we got. And, and my idea in bringing Madonna is to expand that reach even further. So Israel makes news by virtue of being Israel, by virtue of our density of journalists, and by adding Madonna, we create this uh, larger appeal. It'll be a more uh, intensely watched uh, Eurovision, and as well a more broadly watched Eurovision p- potentially, and certainly more coverage about it because Madonna also makes news, and uh, she's an international superstar. She's got a you know she has this amazingly long and interesting career. Uh, she makes news everywhere she goes, and she happens to have a new album coming out. So she was very eager to participate, and to uh, she will be doing one of one song from her uh, old catalog and one song from her uh, from her new album. And I think it's going to be very exciting. And ho- I'm hoping that North America will will tune in 
and and be interested in the Eurovision and understand uh, you know how big the Eurovision really is, both because in Israel and because of Madonna, and of course putting uh, Israel and Tel Aviv in the spotlight to show the world uh, uh, yet another one of our, our qualities that we have here. All right, how much bureaucracy have you encountered bringing these massive events and stars to Israel? Can't be that easy. So it isn't that easy, but I will tell you a couple things. The Giro, which was watched by one billion television viewers, and, you know, that's astonishing. And, and Eurovision will be seen by 200 million TV viewers. These are huge, huge audiences, and uh, I'm just going to make a little parenthesis. I have a lot of experience with first-time visitors to Israel. And when they come here, almost to a person, they are totally impressed and surprised to see that we are an open and friendly and tolerant and pluralistic and importantly, in a safe country. And so my idea in, Britain, in, 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 in having these widely viewed projects is to basically, in the case of the Giro, to invite a billion first-time visitors via their TV sets. And, of course, bike racing takes place outdoors. So they saw the whole country over three days from Haifa in the north all the way to Elat in the south with beautiful imagery of helicopter photography and everything else. And so, you know, a billion people got to experience Israel just because they're regular sports fans. And, you know, this is, this is priceless. You cannot buy publicity like that. And in the case of the Eurovision, it's, it's a similar thing. So, you know, what I call normal Israel is being shown, not the distorted image of Israel that, that somehow gets portrayed by the media because they're always focused on, in, a, in a unidimensional fashion, you know, on the so-called conflict. Here, they're just seeing normal Israel. And the real story of Israel, the daily life, that we live as Israelis, uh, that, that really comes through. Uh, so I, I, my idea is to, is to do this on a massive scale. And uh, uh, for me, they're, they're identical projects, whether it's sport or whether it's for music fans. You're reaching regular folk, the massive majority of people who don't really care that much about us one way or another, but may have a negative sort of general impression about Israel because of the steady drumbeat of, of negative news that, that comes out of this place. Because this is the nature of journalism, you know, it's, it's a, there's, there's no story to write when you say that Israelis, Jews, Arabs, uh, Christians, and others are all getting along in the park and, you know, uh, on a Shabbat. You know, that's not a story. People are, you know, that, that's not news. But when you show them the same image happening in a sporting event or in a cultural event, well, I think it, I think it, it, it makes an impression, and I can tell you from from the feedback that I got when, uh, from Italians who, who watched the, 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 the big start of the, the Giro last year, I mean, they told me, listen, we were so surprised. Your, your, your country is so beautiful. And I, I asked them, have you ever been? They said, no, but we intend to go. So I think, you know, this is also a big boost for tourism. And, uh, and it's just, it's just, I mean, of course engenders national pride. Everybody comes out in the street and Israelis know that the country is being seen on a wide basis. And we, we put on a good show and I, I was I was very proud of seeing, you know, nearly a million Israelis come into it to watch the Giro. Um, an event, which I must say, that perhaps a week before the Giro, they had never even heard of the Giro Italia. So they understood that we were on the big, big world stage and uh, and they came out and enjoyed the party. Right, you mentioned national pride. I'll add maybe even Jewish pride, which leads me to my next question. Does Canada have the same anti-Semitism problem as the U.S. does? You do share a continent. Yeah, so I'm going to say, uh, with respect to Jewish pride, I totally agree with what you just said. Uh, this is the homeland of the Jewish people. All of my projects are focused towards 
the Jewish people. Whether you live here or whether you are living in the diaspora as, as I formerly did, and I believe you, you, you're also a, a former Canadian, uh, and, uh, well, we're, we're, we're still Canadian, but we're a former Canadian resident. Um, and, you know, um, we all own this country and we are all entitled to come here at any time and be accepted as a citizen. And that's a, a thing of, of, you know, great pride. Uh, so yeah, I agree. This is, this is a, this is a, and, and Brigitte also, the, the, the spacecraft, that was a mission on behalf of the entire Jewish people. There was an inscription on the spacecraft that said, Am Israel Chai. So it, it, you can't say it any better than that. This is for the whole Jewish people. So all of my projects really have a similar theme, which is to, to project Israel in, in a uh, positive and exceptional light abroad and to engender uh, national pride from within. And that national pride extends to the entire Jewish nation, which includes uh, diaspora Jews, um, which, which, which have ownership, as far as I'm concerned, in, in, in this place. So you asked me about anti-Semitism in Canada. You know, I think we have a similar sort of, um, you know, the same kind of campus anti-Semitism, maybe not quite as uh, well organized in Canada as it is in the U.S. But I would say that um, for me, I think that the, these people, um, the BDS people and, and, and the, the campus hostilities that we see, I think they're very, very small in number. I think these people actually are very successful in, in making a lot of noise for, for their small and, and, and activating their being their membership or their uh, planetary traveling partners. Uh, I think they're very, they make a lot of noise. They cause a lot of disturbance. But in fact, I think the vast majority of people have no interest in any of that stuff. But they are successful, sadly, in, in tarnishing our image. And my hope is with big projects like, like, the, like the ones I'm, I'm involved in, um, uh, will show the, the real Israel and, and, you know, show people that, um, that the stuff that is being peddled by the BDS, uh, movement, uh, isn't true. Just, you know, the, who are you going to believe? Me or your lying eyes? So, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, showing people the real images, they will be, believe their lying eyes and they will see that uh, Israel isn't the monstrous place that uh, the BDS people are, are trying to, uh, to portray. Uh, as I said, yes, we have it in Canada. But I think it's really small in number, but active and um, and and pernicious. They really, um, I, I, I have to say, I have to give them credit. I don't like them, and I don't like the message that they're they're peddling. But I give them credit for being very enthusiastic and and and, and punching way above their their numbers uh, in terms of uh, making noise. I'll just ask you one last question because I know you're very busy, and I don't want to keep you from getting your degree. What's next on your agenda? So I've got all kinds of projects in the pipeline. Uh, thematically, they're all the same, even though some may be in some may be in the cultural fields, uh, uh, cultural and artistic fields. Some may be in the sporting area. Some may be in the in the engineering and science area. Um, I've got, I've always got multiple projects I'm working on and trying to uh, bring events. I can tell you that um, I, I built here uh, a cycling velodrome, which is an indoor. A cycling stadium with a track. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, velodrome cycling. Um, and uh, Israel will be hosting the 2021 World Championships in track cycling. This is the first world championship that in any sport that Israel has ever hosted. So 
we couldn't have done it without having the infrastructure. So I, I put up the funding to to build this project, and uh, we're going to have world champions and Olympic champions coming out of there. That's that's my hope. So I've I've got a bunch of I've got like 25 projects on the go, and uh, they sort of come to fruition. Um, you know, uh, when they are uh, ripe and ready to go. So, you know, last May, a year ago, was the Giro. This May is Eurovision and, and Madonna, which, of course, I couldn't have predicted that this was going to happen. We had to actually win the uh, Eurovision contest last year. So I've got a bunch of projects on the go, and uh, I'm hoping to make a lot of positive noise for Israel and change the channel on uh, on what people see coming out of this place. As are we all. So I guess we'll definitely talk in 2021 to see how that event went. I hope you come to cover it. You should come to cover it. Do your podcast live from the Velodrome. Not a bad idea. I'll pitch it to the bosses. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Sylvan Adams, all I can recommend at this point is to stay super hydrated in this weather, although you like it very much. I'm still putting out the warning. And thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. And and, uh, hello to all your readers and especially to my uh, my, my, um, our countrymen in Canada. Uh, It's nice to say hello. This concludes today's episode of Tipping Point. I'm Tali Deckel and I look forward to our next episode.